Okay, good morning, sisters. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you this day for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our minds and in our hearts. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come to renew us, to refresh us in your love. Help us to see what it is that you see. And help us to hear your presence, your voice inside of us. Our Lady's seat of wisdom. Pray for us. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a reading from the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. When I was a uh, young boy, there was a period of about maybe 10 years where my father uh, worked third shift. And so every night as my sister and I and, and my mom, when we were getting ready for bed, my dad would always gather us together and we would say a few prayers together, say goodnight, and we would sort of disperse into our own rooms and my father would go off to work while all of us would go to sleep. And sure enough, when we woke up refreshed after a full night's sleep, my father was coming home from work. And, you know, particularly in the summers when my sister and I were were home from school, my dad would get home around 8 o'clock in the morning and around noon we were becoming quite restless because we wanted to go to the pool or we wanted to go to the park or we wanted to go somewhere. And we always tried as long as we could to wait to wake our dad up. But unfortunately, it never really lasted very long because we were just impatient. And it was interesting, every single time we woke our dad up, even though he maybe only slept three or four or five hours, he always said yes to wherever it is we wanted to go. And I remember there were times, particularly at baseball practice, I would see my dad sort of off on the grass in the middle of a game or in the middle of a practice. And sometimes I would see my dad sort of laying down on the grass, sleeping. And I can remember at first almost being, almost taking offense to that because I I thought, you know, doesn't, doesn't my dad want to see me play? Doesn't he want to watch me play baseball? 
And I have to admit, at first, it didn't seem like love. It didn't seem like this is what love looks like. But many years later, I, I would discover, after I realized the fullness of the situation, that this is actually exactly what love looks like. Because it was a love that was poured out. I needed to readjust my eyes so that I could see more deeply the reality of what was really going on. Because I had an image and I had an idea of what love looked like. And before the reality, that idea and that image was too small. It was too narrow. And you know, a very similar thing can be said about God. We need to readjust not only our eyes, but our hearts. Because quite honestly, our ideas and our images of God are oftentimes way too small. You know why I chose that reading from Philippians this morning? I chose that reading because on a, on a natural level, that reading is absurd. God, says Paul in Philippians, emptied himself. God took the form of a slave. God was born in the likeness of men. God became obedient unto death, death on a cross. How strange is that? This is another reading from Scripture where we really live, where we see Jesus really lives this out. And you'll know it as soon as I read it. Jesus withdrew from them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling upon the ground. The scriptures beg an important question. Who is God? God is utter vulnerability. God is utter vulnerability. You know, that's a, it's a very interesting word. 
right? What does it mean to be vulnerable? According to the dictionary, vulnerable has two definitions. The first is to be vulnerable means to be capable of being physically wounded. Is that not Jesus? The second is to be vulnerable means to be open to attack or damage. Is that not Jesus? And it was interesting in the uh, dictionary, it had four synonyms for vulnerable. Weakness, defenseless, helpless, and exposed. Is not God all of these things? Jesus is weak. He has to have Simon of Cyrene help him carry his cross. Jesus is defenseless before Pilate, an earthly king. Jesus is silent. He makes no attempt to defend himself. Jesus is helpless. The soldiers clothed him in a purple cloak and they placed a crown of thorns on his head and saluted him. Hail, King of the Jews! As they mocked him and spit upon him. And finally, Jesus is exposed. He dies naked on the cross as if he were a criminal. Is not God then vulnerable? If this is who God really is, then where is this angry God that many people speak about? Where is this God who only likes certain people and hates others that some people talk about? Where is this self-serving God who is checked out from our lives. The answer is that God doesn't exist. And Jesus is the proof of this. And sisters, the question for us today is, do we perceive God in this way? Do we perceive God with this extreme vulnerability 
And I think it would be fair to say that because God is vulnerable, He's also accessible. You know, like all of you sisters, I've had in my life a few just very powerful experiences of God. You know, a few experiences that, that shook me interiorly, where the presence of God was made very clear to me. But I would say in my own life, the strongest, the most profound experience of God I've ever had in my life was in a situation where I thought such an experience of God would not be possible. And that was at the death of my mom. When my mother was dying a few years ago, I was, we, my sister and my dad and I were there, and I was anointing my mom as she was dying, which is such a profound mystery in and of itself. But as I'm there anointing my mom and she's dying, you know, we're all, obviously we're all crying and tears are pouring out of our eyes and I'm saying the prayers. And then my mom passes away. And on the, the natural level, we are, we are sad, you know, we are, we are crying. And yet, in that room was probably the most serene and peaceful moment I've ever encountered in my life. When, I was, when we were driving home, so we'd all come in, in different, from different places, so we were all driving in different cars back to my dad's after my mother passed away. And it was about an hour drive from the hospice where she was in. And that hour driving home, in the depths of my heart, there was this immense joy, this immense peace and serenity. And quite honestly, I had, a, I had to pinch myself. I thought maybe am I just like repressing what really happened here? I was only a priest for about nine months. And obviously I was going to be celebrating my mom's funeral in a few days. And nowhere in that ride home or even in the days before her funeral, never once did I think, how am I going to celebrate my mom's funeral in a few days? What am I going to say? How am I going to have the strength for this? Never once did I think that. The reason was because I believe God is so vulnerable and so accessible that he was carrying me with his grace. It's the only explanation. 
And of course, it's not something that you can measure. It's not something that you can even perceive necessarily with your eyes. And yet I know it was the only rational explanation. I think we have to ask the question, does does God have to be like this? You know, many people believe that God created everything and then he kind of steps back from creation. That he doesn't really get involved in the details of, of life and of history. He kind of lets us fight things out. If you think about it, God could be like that if he wanted to. There's no law in the universe that says God has to be concerned or to be interested in his creation. However, God chooses and reveals himself to be very different. He chooses to be interested. He chooses to be concerned. And Jesus is the proof. And sisters, I think we, we are blessed to know who he is. And in some ways, we might even take this for granted. There is no way we could come to this conclusion on our own. Which is why I said in the beginning that we need to readjust not only our eyes, but our heart. Because oftentimes our ideas and our images of God are too small. If we want to encounter God more deeply, we have to become vulnerable like Him. If this is the way God is, then what about us? What are we like before him. You know, a great question that I oftentimes ask in, in spiritual direction is I'll, sometimes I'll ask the person in front of me, what is God like when you pray? What is he like to you? Another important question is what are you like in prayer? I don't mean are you sitting, are you kneeling, are you standing, are you saying prayers, are you meditating? In a a very real way, those are all secondary things. But when you pray, are you receptive? Are you engaged? 
Are you distant or anxious? Are you attentive? Because it's never a matter of God's absence or God's distance from us, but ours. Right? We are the ones who are absent at times. We are the ones who are distant. And I know this just from my own life. God appears the most distant to me when I'm not engaged. When I'm self-absorbed, when I'm preoccupied, when I'm anxious about many things. In other words, when my eyes and my heart are not on the Lord, it's hard to see Him. This is why a healthy prayer life is not one that necessarily has great experiences, but one that imitates Christ and his vulnerability. Who, like Christ, makes himself or herself accessible to God. What a beautiful thing for someone to live. I want to be accessible for God. To give him total permission. A truly holy person is not one who has great experiences, but who has great vulnerability and accessibility to God. As, as you all know, Mother Teresa spent 40 years of her life without any sensible experience or consolation from God. And she had a few very profound experiences before this darkness enveloped her. And in, even in, in a mysterious way, this darkness is a tremendous experience of God. Why is she a saint? It wasn't because of her experiences. It wasn't because of this great darkness that she endured. Because her heart was wide open to the mysterious and the confusing ways of God. She was totally vulnerable to God. In our relationship with God, have we emptied ourselves? Have we taken the form of a slave?
Have we become obedient to the cross in our lives and allowed it to form us? And I think right here is is the very difference between mature discipleship and immature discipleship. Mature discipleship has God at the center. Immature discipleship has God, but also myself, my own ego at the center. Mature discipleship says, I choose God over myself. You know, many people just want to take from God. They use God for what He can give them. God, give me this gift. Give me this healing. Give me this vocation. Give me, give me, give me. We oftentimes treat God like He's Santa Claus. And a strange fact is that nobody is objectified more than God. And, you know, if if we're hearing this and we think to ourselves, or if we see ourselves in some of this and we think, oh, this is me. God is so used to this. I don't think this bothers God at all. This is, in a very real way, normal human behavior. You know, there's that, I love this passage in the Gospel, when James and John come to Jesus, his very disciples, who have an intimate relationship with him. And they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Who is at the center of that question? And I love Jesus here. He's kind of playing along. Okay, what do you want me to do for you? Grant to us, they say, to sit, one at your right and one at your left. In other words, They want the glory of God. They want to be recognized as His chosen. What does Jesus say to them? You do not know what you are asking for. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first must become the slave. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45.
What is Jesus showing them here? That the way to holiness is not necessarily to be recognized, to not necessarily to experience great things, but in a very real way to become nothing like Jesus, to become the servant, to become the slave. And so God is very used to our self-centeredness, to our self-absorption, to our preoccupation with ourselves. But obviously he doesn't want us to remain there. Of course, God can and he does heal us. He does give us gifts that we should ask for. But do you know what the greatest gift of God is? His very presence. His very presence. And not just on a sense level or on an emotional level. but a sense of his presence deep within us. No matter where we are, no matter if we're recognized or unrecognized, whether we're ignored. And sisters, this is ultimately what we want. This is ultimately what we need. And yet this is ultimately what we already have. The problem is we're still full of ourselves. We haven't emptied ourselves. We haven't become the servant or embraced the cross in our life. And because I and we, because we doubt, because we struggle, We don't trust God to the extent that He desires of us. You know, St. Anthony of the Desert once said, A person is praying when they are not aware that they are praying. In other words, we're really praying, we're really with the Lord when there's no self-obsession, self-analysis. How am I doing? What do I look like? Does God hear me? Because when you're truly attentive to the other, you decrease. And I think that we can sort of stretch that saying of St. Anthony out a bit and say that a Christian is truly living like a Christian, whether it's praying or serving or whatever it is that we're doing, when we're not even aware that we're doing these things. Because they are flowing from a heart 
that like Jesus is pure and available. For that to happen, sisters, we have to become vulnerable before God. Let us pray for that grace today to imitate Jesus in his vulnerability and become more like him. Amen. Fathers, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.